Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode four of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. On tonight's show, my wrap-up of the Ohio State Medical Association practice symposium and health camp at Yale last weekend. Also, a couple of articles about family medicine, one of them from my new Twitter best friend, Dr. Andy Baldwin. Plus, is a well-rested doctor a better doctor? Finally, a shout-out to my social media friend in Kansas City who is going to document his life in Taiwan for three months. Very excited about this uh, exciting project. All that coming up and a lot more on Episode 4 of the Paper Medicine Rocks podcast starting right now. Hi, this is Kevin Bernstein, MD Student 31 on Twitter, and I listen to Family Medicine Rocks with Mike Sevilla. that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Sevilla, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this, what is this show about? It is uh, social media through the eyes of a family physician. You can check out our website at familymedicinerocks.com. You can also join us on Twitter and Facebook. Shout out to all 126 people who like the show. And uh, all uh, all our people on Twitter, uh, 5,922 people as of this second. You can also listen in real time to this show on your iPhone, Droid, BlackBerry, Windows 7. Just direct your mobile browser to blogtalkradio.com slash famedrocks. Famedrocks. Today is Thursday, April 7th, 2011. It is 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for those people out there. And it is 53 degrees Fahrenheit here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters. Thank you all for joining us here this evening have a jam-packed show here for you here uh, this evening i have to tell you <laughs> this is the most pre-production i've done for a show in a very long time but I'm very excited about the content of uh, tonight's uh, show so well what did you do today <laughs> uh, i just wanted to uh, just uh, share with everybody what i did today here i'm uh, very very excited to uh, to talk to some high school students here locally at, uh, at the hospital we talked about uh, health care we talked about what it was like and what it is to uh, be a doctor here in the united states right now and especially a family physician which we'll get into in a little bit so uh very excited about that, and I love talking to students. It's uh, it's a good time. So uh, hopefully, 
they will do the direct opposite of what I told them <laughs> and be con- completely successful. <laughs> um, on tonight's show, we have uh, some a couple of family medicine articles here. I'm going to talk to. I'm going to talk about here uh, this evening. Uh, one of them is uh, from my new Twitter friend, Dr. Andy Baldwin, and uh, I know we may have some uh, some listeners here. <laughs> Uh, because he tweeted out the show here uh, this evening, so I want to thank him uh, for that. We'll be talking about that. And we'll be talking about an article with a good friend in our chat room, MD Student 31 Yes, he's a rock star. He's the man. And uh, he's going to be talking about why he is going to be a family physician. We're going to be talking about that. Very excited to share that all with you. Also, some updates on some recent meetings here. I was in Columbus last weekend, and I went all the way out to the great state of Connecticut to Yale University and their School of Nursing to uh, take part in health camp. What is all health camp about? We'll get into that um, in a little bit. Also, a, an article that is all over Twitter today. Uh, especially if you're uh, in the health and medical field. The title is, from the New York Times, is a well-rested doctor a better doctor? And I have some thoughts on that article. Uh, But the Twitter was blowing up today uh, as far as comments and retweets on that deal. That article was just uh, published and released this morning on the New York Times website. And uh, also going to give a big shout-out later in the show to our good friend T-Rave out in Kansas City. He has a very exciting social media project. Uh, he's going to be going out to Taiwan for three months, going to be documenting it out there, uh, using all kinds of social media, um, but uh, we'll get into that um, a little bit later. Also, I was uh, watching the Masters tournament. Yes, it's golf for people. And uh, it was very cool because they were live streaming the thing all over the Internet today. And uh, I know, see, it's really funny because, uh, you know, when I tweet that out, there's all these golf haters out there. I mean, come on. It's golf. <laughs> Do you guys have something better to complain about or bitch about than, than, than golf? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's not like baseball. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so before we get into things here uh, tonight, I want to just uh, give a big plug uh, for uh, some future shows here. One week from tonight, very excited, uh, we're going to be having uh, uh, three psychiatrists on. They have a new book. You may remember them from the uh, Shrink Wrap blog. They still blog there, uh, the Shrink Wrap blog. And uh, Doctors uh, Dinah Miller, Annette Hansen, and Stephen Roy Davis, they have a new book coming out at the end of this month, called Shrink Wrap, Three Psychiatrists Explain Their Work. And it's going to be released on April 28th. And uh, it's, their publisher is John Hopkins University Press. Things they're going to be talking about is what is psychotherapy? How does it work? Why don't all psychiatrists do it? When are medications helpful? What happens on a psychiatric unit? Can Prozac? Make people suicidal? Why do many doctors not like Xanax? Why do we have an insanity defense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So that uh, show will be one week from tonight. They're going to be live here on the show, and uh, very excited that they're going to be talking about their uh, their new book. Two weeks here from tonight, family physician Dr. Chip Teal, who uh, is from Maine, 
and uh, he is a champion. He has been feeling very strongly about how the older Americans here are taken care of. There's a big population up there, and of course across the country, of older Americans. He has some solutions on how we can uh, take care of elders a lot better. So he will be here live on the show April 21st here on the show. Uh, So uh, he is author of the book uh, Alone and Invisible, um, Averting Disaster in Aging America. Uh, So uh, very excited for him to come and uh, talk about some health policy type of stuff here on the show. Uh, So before we get going here, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring this show here again this evening on the front page. And there is a new-looking front page here, and also on this show, we'll be talking about that later here on Blog Talk Radio. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real physician. I am a proud family physician here in northeastern Ohio. I'm in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office. And if you're listening live, you can see my shining face here on the webcam here this evening. If you're new to the show and you're listening live, just go to the top of the uh, of the column here uh, in the uh, chat room. You will see the webcam icon, and you'll be able to see me doing the show live before your eyes. I know, very exciting. Many of you probably would want to turn that off, but uh, in case people want to see that, that is uh, right there. And I want to give a big shout-out to uh, people in our chat room here. Before we go to the break, uh, we have Dr. Synonymous. We have uh, Mark Scrimshire. We have Aaron. We have Gary. We have J-Man from I Am With Stupid, who will be uh, having a very funny comedy podcast later here on the network here this evening at 11 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time called I Am With Stupid. Check it out. It's good stuff. Also, uh, MD Student 31, T-Rave. Shout out to T-Rave and our good friend, Buck, my favorite Internet name out there. Uh, I also want to give also a big shout out to uh, people who retweeted the show here, including uh, Dr. Andy Baldwin, uh, Twin Gals, uh, Joe Ciro, uh, Ohio Medicine, Chris Bartlett. Thank you all for supporting the show, giving some retweets out there as well. So uh, let me take my first break here, and we'll be talking about some family medicine articles right after the break. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast in partnership with the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. And a member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts, you can get there by going to promednetwork.com. And we'll be right back.
That's right. Social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Big shout out to our guests in the chat room here. If you register here at the Blog Talk Radio site, which takes no time, <laughs> well, virtually no time, you'll be able to chat along with us and make fun of me like the rest of these people will as well. <laughs> uh, so uh, so let's get into things here. So a couple of uh, family medicine-related posts here uh, to uh, begin the show here. And uh, I'll just uh, start out here uh, with my with my new Twitter friend, Dr. Andy Baldwin. I just want to tell people that, no, he is not on the show here tonight. But I would really like him to be on the show. <laughs> Like I said last week, I think. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we're friends. You know, we're Facebook friends. We're Twitter friends. That makes us good friends, doesn't it? Really? Not really? I'm a loser? Okay. Yeah, all right. So uh, so we published a new uh, post this week on his Facebook page, Saturday, April 2 at 2.02 p.m. The title is, Find a good family medicine doctor you can trust, and uh, that is on uh, that is on its Facebook page. And uh, for people who have seen it, yes, uh, people are wondering. Uh, yeah, that is my picture there. Uh, you know, they they they, uh, <laughs> they photoshopped his face on me. Uh, actually, not. I'm going to drop this in the chat room here and see if people make fun of me. Uh, so I'm going to read this here, kids, because I think it's very good. So it starts like this. As a family doc, I believe achieving the best health, wellness, and prevention revolves around the family unit and good continuity of care with your family physician. A good primary care doctor is almost like a member of your family. He will know your names, take the time to understand your lifestyle, family dynamics, and stresses. Most importantly, a doc who takes the time to educate you on best health practices and doesn't just throw medicine your way and move on to the next patient. These old-fashioned docs are out there. It may take some time, but you owe it to yourself and your family to find one. I presume a new one, not an old-fashioned one. Ask your doctor for his email or her email. Many doctor's offices these days are moving to online communication as a way to cut down on needles, uh, needless office visits and provide fast and easy communication. I make it a habit to give my email address to all my patients. I can't tell you how much time it saves and how much peace of mind it gives my patients to know that they can email me if they have questions. Why not utilize technology to provide better communication between doctor and patient? Question mark. It helps to establish further trust, which leads to better outcomes. Couldn't have said it better myself there. Dr. Baldwin. A lot of good comments following that at the uh at the bottom. And uh, one of the funny ones was what does that picture <laughs> of him getting out of the ocean. What does that have to do with family medicine? Well, you know, we all aspire to be like that. <laughs> That's why people tell me I have the face for radio. <laughs> so uh, so 
So yeah, another good uh, another good post there by uh, Dr. Andy Baldwin. So um, uh, he writes some good stuff. Uh, um, so looking forward to his next his next writing uh, there, and hopefully I can continue to beg for him to be on the show <laughs> to talk about some of these writings that he's doing. Uh, but keep it up there, Dr. Baldwin. So, good job. Uh, next, I want to talk about uh, a, uh, a store that is was on CNN this week, CNNMoney.com, uh, with our good friend uh, uh, Kevin Bernstein, MD Student 31, in the chat room and also on Twitter. And uh, here's a <laughs> uh, very uh, cool picture. That's the cool guy picture uh, that he has on the uh, CNN article there. I will... I will drop the link in the chat room there in a little bit. The title here is uh, Med Students, We Want to Be Family Doctors. Really, very cool. And as as I'm looking at this here, uh, this article uh, was recommended on uh, Facebook 216 times and looks like 48 retweets. And uh, so it's... uh, very well done here. So I will read Kevin's part here. So Kevin Bernstein, fourth-year medical student, Drexel University College of Medicine. And let me drop this in the chat room here. Uh, quote, I didn't know family medicine existed until I went to medical school. I didn't understand why I couldn't go to my uh, pediatrician after I turned 17. Family physicians take care of everybody, all ages, at all stages of health. That hits home. In my class of class of 280 students, only 15 want to pursue family medicine. That's one five, 15. It's really difficult knowing that some students could really uh, could be really good primary care doctors, but they're not choosing it. Health reform has helped in some aspects, but we need more change. Right now, our medical care system is fragmented. You tell them. The patient-centered medical home model is really attractive to physicians who want to collaborate together on a patient's care because it brings primary care physicians and specialists in one ceiling setting. (laughs) Man, I can't read this. Health reform has eased anxiety about potential earnings because of new loan forgiveness and other programs. You can earn $3 million more in a lifetime in a specialty, even so primary care doctors are among the top 5% of income earners in the country. And uh, I wanted to highlight one other one here. Uh, uh, well, yeah, let's read the ones here. So Allison Lewis, third-year med student from Florida, Florida State University College of Medicine. Um, Aaron Meyer, second-year medical student, St. Louis University of Medicine. Uh, let's see here. Diana Tucci. I know I'm saying that wrong. Uh, second year medical student, University of Pittsburgh. Um, I've been following her tweets out there. She goes, uh, my situation is a little unique because I have a National Health Service Corps scholarship. That helps to pay part of my tuition for every year, and I spend uh, serving in a physician shortage area. For me, treating 
people after understanding their medical history and what they're coming and where they're coming from is hugely important. Family medicine allows us to do that and to follow up on patients. Health reform is helping to change attitudes toward primary care. A lot has to do with uh, monetary incentives and loan forgiveness programs. The traditional model of medicine is the solo doctor practice. That's why there's so much doctor burnout. Medical home model that the government is testing takes the pressure off because it encourages a team-based approach to care. Well said again, the future of family medicine there. I also want to plug the future of family medicine blog, future of family medicine dot blogspot.com. <laughs> and also I want to give a big shout out uh, to uh, our good friend uh, on Twitter, Richmond Doc, uh, who gave a presentation this week at the uh, Virginia Telehealth Summit meeting. And uh, there's a YouTube uh, summary of what he talked about uh, on the uh, Facebook page for this show, facebook.com slash famnedrocks. And he gives about a four or five minute summary of his talk. Very well done. Good job there, Richmond Doc. Uh, so, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to take uh, another uh, quick break here. And uh, after this, uh, I'm going to be uh, talking about the uh, meetings that I was at uh, last week. Uh, you're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast here live on Blog Talk Radio. Great crowd here for tonight. Thank you all for joining me. We will be continuing the show right after. Right, social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live on a Thursday night here on the Block Talk Radio Network. So last week I was in the great city of Columbus. I know people are like Columbus. Come on, man. Hey, <laughs> it's my state. I like it. All right, you get the point. You get the point, kids. You get the point. That's the uh, <laughs> that's a fight song for the Ohio State University, of course, in Columbus, Ohio. So last week I was at the Ohio State Medical Association Practice Symposium talking about physicians and social media. Pretty good crowd there. So the room, uh, the, the seating limit was 100, and uh, there was at least you know, 85, 90 people in that room, almost jam-packed, talking about physicians and social media. Very good time. They recorded an interview of me. Following that, you can get there uh, by going to facebook.com slash fanmedrocks. You can see my video interview about why I think that physicians should know about social media, basically saying, hey, 
patients are going to drive physicians to go there. It's not going to be the government. It's not going to be insurance companies. It's not going to be anybody else. Patients are going to be driving physicians to do that every day at my office. I get people printing out stuff from WebMD, which is fine with me. You know, we get to talk about it. We get to see what's good information, what's bad information. And I think that doctors need to know that. Doctors, a lot of doctors out there are afraid of social media. They're afraid of the liability. They're afraid of being sued. They're afraid of patient privacy, breaking patient privacy and that type of thing. There's no payment model out there. A lot of docs want to use things like email uh, that uh, Andy Baldwin's talking about, but there's no payment structure for that yet. That's why a lot of physicians are worried. They don't want to use it, but I think they should. And you can go to my Facebook page there to uh, to see my interview on that. But I was able to uh, get a couple of interviews here while I was uh, there. And uh, the first of them I'm going to play here is from our good friend, uh, I think he's still in the chat room here, our good friend, uh, Dr. Synonymous, host of the Dr. Synonymous show right here on Blog Talk Radio, also the Dr. Synonymous blog, drsynonymous.blogspot.com. And uh, we talked about what else, physicians and social media. Here's our interview live from the Ohio State Medical Association practice symposium last week. So Mike Zabilla here. We're here with uh, Dr. Synonymous at the Ohio State Medical Association meeting. Uh, How's it going there, sir? It is wonderful. Everybody who's anybody is here. All the issues, all the dilemmas, all the ups, all the downs. I think we we can network here and figure out what is happening and where can we go. Hey, I listened to your show this week, and uh, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good interview. What? <laughs> who'd, uh, who'd you have on this week there? Well, it was the Commissioner of Health for Greene County, Ohio, Mark McDonald, a delightful guy who sort of knows everything about everything, and he said, we're everywhere. We're in your living room. We're in your well. We're at your restaurant. If some, something's not right. Um, but also in the healthcare thing, they're being so efficient in the county health department that they're able to set up three different immunization clinics and kind of pick up the slack where the family doctors are losing money and not knowing what to do. Uh, so it was interesting to hear that they could interface with us, thinking about different partnerships that we could do, and also uh, congratulated him on his flu shot thing for H1N1 last year where I got my flu shot at the fairgrounds. Wow. It was just incredibly efficient. And and powerful for Green County, uh, so it was it was kind of fun to interview somebody who knows so much, does so much, and has an awesome website. <laughs> well, good. Well, the Doctor Synonymous show it's uh, Tuesday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Is that right? That's correct. And we go for an hour. Usually, we start with a patient blog. I want to talk about patients because doctors have no meaning unless there's patients. (laughs) I want the patients to know we love you folks. We love you. We need you. And there's some some awesome patient blogs. Uh, And there's there's some big patient blogs like like ePatient Dave who you've you've connected with. And there's subsets like the uh, genomic people from the Genetic Alliance for hundreds of genetic uh, uh, support groups. There's the widows group. There's the grieving fathers. And there's just all kinds of individuals who have some incredible things to say. Sea Spray, I love what she, she writes. I think you follow her also. 
Um, she's just got some good insights about reality, and her Christmas tree picture was nice. And Dr. Fat to Fit is actually like a patient and a doctor, but but she's fun to follow also. So uh, how, do you, how do you find the guests for your show, then? I'm kind of curious about that. Well, my mission is sort of to clarify things that help people relative to family medicine. And so and I, I've interviewed uh, the two founding chairs of Departments of Family Medicine, Dr. Tom Lehman uh, in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, Penn State, where I trained, and Dr. Tenny Williams uh, at Ohio State University, where I went to medical school. Both those people had to start a department before the specialty was even finally finished being defined. Just an amazing feat of phantom development. And the, it was just fun to hear how a creative individual works with other humans in in strange environments to accomplish an incredible task like that. And I have um, well, the president of the uh, American Academy of Family Physicians, Lori Heim, chatted with her a little bit. Ken Bertka, who is a family doctor in Toledo in Ohio that uh, was on the board of the AAFP, and just interested in perspectives that may help people to figure out what the heck is happening. How do we really connect to the best reality for patients and make it happen? And I don't know that we have the answer. <laughs> so, so I want to talk to these folks say, what do you think, what do you think? And I want to follow up with Dr. Williams in, a, in a next Tuesday uh, talking about um, the right brain relative to family physician specialty rel- versus left brain relative to subspecialists. And Tenney studied these things forever. He's a photographer now. He's writing a book about jazz musicians. Um, so, so it's fun to try to perspectivize and say, what is reality? How do we really help people, and and how do we survive? <laughs> so, one last question. So, there's been some uh, talk on Twitter of uh, uh, kind of a family medicine tweet chat type, something like uh, like uh, MD chat or nursing chat or Hicksum. Do, do you think do you think we have enough family docs out there on Twitter to try to try something like that? Yes, uh, yes, and that would be awesome. The other ones, uh, I, I'm on the HCSM chat on Sunday nights, which is incredible with a vast array of uh, multidisciplinary people. The, the drinking from a fire hose is the comment about that tweet chat. Tuesday nights, the MD chat, which has uh, a very small group of MDs that the family medicine essence needs to, to kind of be focused on. So we're, we're like heart people, we're lovers, and we, we need to say, okay, how do we grovel out of where we are into something that serves people just as well or better uh, and helps us to survive and have more fun than we can stand. So I think family medicine has a unique language, a unique perspective that can resonate very nicely through Twitter. There we go, kids. That's Dr. Pat Jonas, drsynonymous.blogspot.com, also the Dr. Synonymous show on Blog Talk Radio. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. So there you go, kids. That's Dr. Synonymous here. Thank you so much for the interview there. So so I, I'm thinking as I'm going to these meetings, you know, and people can give me feedback on this. You know, as I go to these meetings, you know, I, I want to talk to people. I want to, you know, uh, see what, what they're excited to talk about. I, I want to record them. I want to play them on the show here and react to them. You know, and, and uh, I, have to, I have to tell everybody, you know, that Dr. Synonymous, Dr. Pat Jonas, who's in our chat room here, has uh, you know, been a, a long-time uh, mentor of mine uh, in family medicine. And uh, uh, w- one of the things that, that, that he loves to talk about is that um, his, where he works, his practice there in the Dayton, Ohio area, um, only 
only takes families. If you're a single, forget it. <laughs> He's been doing that forever. And that adds to the flavor of family medicine. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm very much in admiration um, of that. And if you want to hear more from him, go to drsynonymous.blogspot.com. And also he has a blog talk radio show here as well, Tuesday nights, I believe, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, what I'm thinking about now, I mean, we have all these people in the chat room here. This is great. And, and I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Melinda Hirsch in our uh, chat room who uh, uh, put in a link there. Uh, about an article um, that I'm not completely uh, familiar with, so I'm not going to comment on it right now, but I, I am putting it uh, in my bookmarks. Uh, it's from Yahoo Health. Antibiotic superbugs, CRKP uh, and MRSA, who's at risk? And uh, I may do a, a whole blog post on that uh, to uh, to respond to that. And uh, so it's an interesting interesting article. If, if people have feedback that they, they want to give me or or uh, you know things they want me to chat about or write about on my blog or give me voicemails and things. So something I want to do with this audio format is is to give all of you the ability to to comment um, on voicemails. So I haven't done this in a while, but I'll give out the voicemail number um, here, and you'll be able to uh, give me uh, give me some feedback here. It is nine zero three three two six three six two one. The easy way to remember that is 903-FAM-DOC-1. 903-FAM-DOC-1. And if you want to give me feedback on that, you can also go to famedrocks.com and just click the comment link. Be able to do, to type in uh, some feedback there. And uh, so I'm going to try this out to see if I get any kind of uh, feedback um, from you, the uh, listener and reader. Uh, so I'm very excited about that because I'm very excited by with all the uh, with all the people here on the show listening live and of course you know if you're listening on the archives I appreciate uh, that too and uh, you, you may be able to uh, if you're given a, a voicemail you can give me a little bit of a promo there you know like my good friend uh, Kevin Bernstein he uh, plays at the top of the show but yeah you know if you want if you like the show give me a little shout out something like this. Hi, this is Kevin Bernstein, MD Student 31 on Twitter, and I listen to Family Medicine Rocks with Mike Sevilla. So there you go. So so yeah, there. So uh, so I appreciate that. So uh, so our, my next interview from Columbus last week uh, was uh, uh, from uh, Jason Coma, the director of communications from the Ohio State Medical Association. And uh, we talked about uh, physicians and social media, also a little bit about their meeting last week. And uh, here is what Jason had to say during our interview. I'll turn up this volume here a little bit. All right, then we're back, and uh, we're here with uh, Jason Coma from the Ohio State Medical Association. Uh, I just finished my uh, social media uh, presentation here. It was a great time, and it was a great opportunity from the uh, OSMA. Uh, Jason, let me ask you, the, the OSMA really has been leaders in this uh, space as far as advising physicians. Can you tell me a little bit about um, the guidelines and the toolkit that the OSMA offers uh, their members? Sure. The OSMA developed a social media toolkit uh, for the medical practice, uh, gosh, going on probably about six months ago. Uh, really, were, we were the first ones in that space from a physician organization standpoint. The AMA has since followed up with a little bit of more information. Uh, they can be found on our website at osma.org slash social media policy. 
and really we took a, a, a two or three faceted approach to it. Uh, what we wanted to do was inform physicians some do's, not don'ts, because everybody always says don't, don't, don't do this, don't do that, but some do's in terms of what you should be doing on the online realm. Uh, just to kind of help guide some behavior on sites like Facebook and, and other things like that where you might run into some potential privacy concerns with patients and, and medical records and HIPAA and, and so on and so forth. So we started with that and we also wanted to guide it for uh, the independent medical practice, for the practices out there that have their employees that you know, have access to the internet or have limited access to the internet and you know, what they should or should not be doing and perhaps some tips as to how to make that work as best as possible uh, you know, in the office and utilizing sites like Facebook and other things like that. The, the one thing that we really tried to use with the, this toolkit is that, you know, as, and really as you said in, in your presentation today, this world isn't going away. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the conversations are happening out there about you as a physician, your medical practice, you need to take part in those conversations. And, and not be left behind, or else people are going to be saying things about you that you know may not be true, uh, and, and certainly uh, aren't going to be answered or have another voice to them. And today was a practice symposium. I learned a lot of information today. Uh, but the next uh, couple of days here is going to be the big annual meeting, uh, big policy writing. Uh, can you describe to my listeners kind of what happens during that time? Sure. So this is the in totality, it's the OSMA annual meeting. We've got. Uh, Three days every spring, uh, as you mentioned, today is the practice management symposium, uh, where it's kind of a business side of, of medicine, uh, where we talk a lot to practice managers and, 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 and physicians as well on, on a, a number of topics, including yours today on, on social media. The next two days are the OSMA House of Delegates. Uh, the OSMA House of Delegates is a democratically elected body uh, of physicians from across the state that decide the policy uh, of our organization. And throughout this weekend, there will be 20 different policy resolutions uh, that the OSMA House of Delegates will uh, review, just listen to testimony, and decide as what the driving points are uh, for the OSMA in advocacy discussions and also in public health concerns. Uh, a couple of the topics that are in front of us this weekend, um, you know, some discussion about electronic health records, um, also uh, the fight against obesity in our state, uh, as well as health system reform and, and really the future of where the OSMA should be in terms of uh, the next steps moving forward across the gamut of everything else. In addition to that, uh, the OSMA is, uh, while not directly linked, we're part of the Federation uh, of States with the American Medical Association. So the OSMA House of Delegates will also be electing the delegation to the AMA, the Ohio delegation that represents the physicians of Ohio at the national level. That will take place this weekend. In addition, there is an election for uh, the president-elect of, of our organization. Two physicians are running for that. That will take place on Sunday. And, and Saturday, uh, we will have a new president come in, an ophthalmologist from Columbus, uh, Charles Hickey, M.D., uh, takes over from uh, an ophthalmologist out of Akron, uh, Richard R. Ellison, MD. I like to say we've had a couple of men of vision uh, of late. No one usually laughs just like you didn't. I get that. that, 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 that that's fine, uh, but I, I try my best. Uh, th that's kind of a, a nutshell of what we've got going on this weekend. It's all totaled, gosh, today there's probably about uh, 350 or so uh, people in for the practice management symposium. Uh, the next two days there are 250 physicians in the House of Delegates uh, to decide on, on all of the issues that I just talked about. It's really the cornerstone 
uh, of, of the Ohio State Medical Association and what we're able to, to, to bring uh, physicians from across the state together one major time uh, to, to look at a lot of policy issues. And I guess let me end by saying it's, it's bookended uh, by uh, our OSMA Council, uh, which is also a, a democratically elected body uh, that represents the physicians across the state when the House is not in session. Kind of, it's a little confusing to think of it almost like uh, Congress, mm -hmm. where the House of Delegates is like a, the House of Representatives and the council is uh, like the Senate, where there's mm -hmm. one representative per area, whereas the, the House of Delegates, it's all uh, represent, you know, how many physicians are represented in that area. They get that many representatives in the House. So the, the OSMA Council uh, will uh, start it off on Thursday and will close out the meeting on Sunday in wrapping up all of the policy discussions uh, that, that take place here. Uh, for those folks out there that want to keep an eye on uh, some of uh, what's going on at the meeting, Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash ohiomedicine. Uh, also, we'll be providing a daily recap on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ohiomedicine. And while you're on the Internet anyways, you might as well go on, go on over to our website at osma.org. That's where the social media policy is, our social media toolkit is, uh, along with a bevy of pictures and other information, uh, including a video uh, of yourself that will be posted uh, uh, from, from today as well. Uh, Jason Cohen from the Ohio State Medical Association, thanks so much for the time. Thank you very much. All right, kids. So coming up right after this break here is uh, a couple of interviews here from Health Camp Connecticut at Yale, the Yale School of Nursing. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, very interesting, including me interviewing a guy driving his car uh, through downtown New Haven, Connecticut, coming up right here on the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Don't go anywhere. That's right, social media through the ads of Family Physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks. Podcast nine oh three fam doc one nine oh three fam doc one that uh, takes you to the voicemail. <laughs> Can't wait to check it after the show here. So let's talk uh, health camp, health camp Connecticut at Yale uh, last weekend. Very excited to be a part of that. Very excited to, to uh, sponsor that. Be a sponsor, be one of the many sponsors of that. And I wrote about it on my blog. I will drop the link in uh, the uh, chat room here uh, in just a little bit. And what is Health Camp? Health Camp is uh, uh, what they call an unconference. What is an unconference? It is so the people gather, obviously, a health-related theme. Uh, they gather at this conference, and what happens is it's a lot like social media in that the conference is – user-generated conference. What does that mean? That means that you show up, there's a couple of introductory remarks, and then the sessions, the things that you go to, they are determined right there. They, they start with a blank schedule. Can you, can you imagine going to a, a meeting that has a blank schedule? <laughs> uh, so well, what they do is so people decide what they're going to talk about, and then you go to the sessions, and then you partake in the sessions, and it, and uh, uh, I, I learned a lot from that uh, from that process there, and, and learned a lot about 
uh, what, what people are really interested in, what people are passionate about, um, and, and what really drives people to to uh, feel the way they feel about you know things like you know um, health policy, uh, nursing, um, um, you know uh, me being a physician in social media, all that type of stuff. Um, as far as how can we do healthcare better in this country, uh, it was a great day. Um, I was able to get some interviews from uh, from some people who were there. The first one here is is the the, the founder of Health Camp, <laughs> Mark Scrimshire. He's in our chat room here uh, right now, and uh, is uh, E Kai Mark is his uh, name on Twitter, and also uh, in the chat room here. And uh, we spoke right after the close of Health Camp at Yale. And uh, here's our conversation. So we're here with Mark at the end of uh, Health Camp. How how'd you, uh, how'd you think of the day went? I think it's been an, an excellent day. It, there's a real vibe, a real buzz from the event. There's a lot of people that have never been to a Health Camp before. And so I think they all, hopefully all had a good time. People were still here at the end of uh, uh, the last session. So, you know, it's achieved what I was hoping for in just spreading the word and getting more people engaged and the more we can do to put the word out that uh, to really drive this uh, issue of how do we engage in our own health is great um, and we've really got to try and change this at the grassroots level exactly exactly yeah, another another great uh, great health camp here so hopefully uh, this will start a nice tradition here at Yale uh, School of Nursing to have brilliant yeah and hey, let's go get one in Ohio next. You know, uh, we, we're looking at Ohio, West Virginia, Los Angeles, Chicago, Florida, uh, and DC. We're, we're tr- and, and not forgetting San Francisco. Those are sort of all bubbling up on the agenda this year. It's very exciting for for kind of this health camp movement that yeah. uh, is kind of starting out. And, and from what you were saying before, you, there's been some international health camps too, and uh, that's been going okay. Yeah, we've had uh, there was a, there was a health ca- uh, camp that happened back in 2018. Uh, I think it was Uzbekistan. We've had them in the UK. Um, people are looking to do them in France and Germany. Uh, our biggest issue is finding people locally that want to do this. What we do with the Health Camp Foundation is try and put the tools in place to make it easier for people to hold these events because it's a real grassroots movement. We try and make it low cost because the more things you have involved in the in the camp, the more sponsorship you've got to get or the higher the, the entry fee has got to be. And we're trying to make this accessible. I mean, $25 or $10 for students to come for a day like this. And I mean, there was one quote this morning that someone said that they got $25,000 worth of consulting advice in the first 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it cost them like 25 bucks. That's so. Right. That's right. Uh, so for uh, for people who want to find out more about Health Camp Foundation and your projects, where can they find it on the Internet out there? Go to healthca.mp, so Health Camp. And we've got uh, the start of a, uh, a network WordPress site so we can create sites for each of the camps that is taking place. And we're looking to move more collateral there. To, so things like timelines of what you've got to do to get a health camp going other YouTube uh, videos that have been posted about other camps so that you can show those to sponsors, copies of flyers from other events that you can use as a basis for your own, all of those things. Great. And where's the next uh, event going to be at? Uh... Uh, at the moment, it's looking like uh, the next event will be in uh, D.C. At, uh, there's actually uh, Kaiser Permanente are opening a new total, uh, Center for Total Health right down by Union Station there. 
and we're hosting an event there on June the 8th and it's going to be the day before the Department of Health and Human Services holds their Community Health Data Initiative Forum. So we're working in conjunction with HHS. So you know, it, again it's another thing, that, this may seem like a glass, uh, grassroots movement but it's got very high visibility. You know, we're, we're engaged at the high levels in places like Kaiser Permanente, uh, in some of the, the blues and in places like the Health and Human Services. Great, great. Well, another great event. So excited to be a part of it. So uh, hopefully uh, this will be the first of many uh, health camps here at Yale. So thank you so much for the time. Thanks a lot, Mike. <laughs> and thanks so much, Sarah Mark, for the uh, interview there. Um, so after that interview, we were going out to the after party, the after party, uh, and uh, I was able to talk to uh, one of the organizers named uh, Joe Ciro, and <laughs> I put him on the spot uh, by uh, putting the microphone as he was driving through the streets of downtown New Haven, Connecticut, and I uh, put him on the spot. So uh, <laughs> here is my interview with Joe Ciro. He is uh, Ciro, C-E-R-R-O, on Twitter. All right, so we're here with Joe, one of the organizers. Uh, sorry, uh, let me turn that volume up a little bit. Let me try that. All right, so we're here with Joe, one of the organizers. So, who, who are you on Twitter? Uh, I'm Cero on Twitter, C-E-R-R-O. Okay, well, great. Well, it was a great event today. What what uh, did you think about the event here today, Joe? Well, you know, Health Camp, I always enjoy Health Camp because every time I go, I'm sure to learn something new at a Health Camp. I, I don't think there's been a... A single health camp where I haven't learned something. Um, so it, and I'd say today I learned a little bit more about uh, uh, nursing practice and how social media um, might impact the practice of nursing and how nurses can uh, likewise take advantage of, of uh, social media to be more more effective uh, with their patients. And just let everybody know about your background a little bit. So, um, you know, basically informatics now. I mean, I know we were talking a little bit before. You've had a lot of iterations and generations of what you're doing with health and, and uh, IT. But basically right now you're you're in informatics, would you say? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a mix of things. I, I have a consulting business um, with practices in informatics and analytics, and uh, the other practice is um, more more traditional business consulting, helping startups with their business plans, uh, advising venture capitalists on uh, new ideas, innovative ideas. So um, two, two broad practices, informatics and analytics, and the other one is, is more traditional business consulting. Now, before we started recording, you were, you were starting a story on uh, kind of your beginnings in, in health camp, and uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, your first health camps and, and how that kind of inspired you or got you involved here in Connecticut? Well, sure. Uh, so, so I'm from Connecticut. Um, th for the last uh, 10, 15 years, I've been living in Connecticut. And uh, I got involved um, with Health 2.0 conferences, and, and some of my uh, consulting projects were involving uh, leveraging mobile phones and mobile communications for uh, clinical trials. Can you do a better job of collecting data, building up baseline data, um, using mobile phones as, as telemetry devices, basically? Um, and that got me into going to Health 2.0 conferences and so forth. And so I met a few people like Mark Scrimshire, um, and he had been mentioning Health Camp. And I, I, I'd gone to unconferences before. 
uh, where you use this really participatory model for yeah. developing <laughs> the agenda. And I said, well, a healthcare unconference, what a great idea, let's do it. And, uh, you know, kind of the rest is history. I, I, I went to, I, I helped to organize a health camp in Boston, uh, and that was a lot of fun. We had 140, 150 people come out to that one, uh, and uh, that was alongside a Health 2.0 conference. So it was a good crowd, a lot of great ideas, a lot of people involved with startups. Uh, so uh, re really a very good time um, at, at that conference. And uh, so it seemed like a natural to get involved in, in set one up here in Connecticut, and I've, I've gone to a few in uh, uh, Philadelphia, D.C., and, and like I said, every time you go, uh, you're either learning something new or, or another thing is you'll network with people. Uh, I mean, basically the whole conference is the equivalent of those little highly productive hallway conferences that you have at traditional conferences. The whole day is, is like that, and so you start connecting with people, thinking about how you can work together, collaborate, uh, you start doing business partnerships. Uh, so uh, it, it's really been a, a, a lot of fun, very productive. And, I, mean, help, I mean, selfishly, it helps my business uh, getting involved with uh, 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 folks and networking. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a, a, a good value and a worthwhile thing to do. <laughs> well, great. I mean, well, I think we're oh, we're here. We're here. At, yeah, we're, we're here. here. We're here so. at uh, Kelly's, so we have to cut this off uh, early here. But yeah, uh, before I crash my car, so the danger of doing an interview while driving. Uh, so uh, so thanks everybody. Great great being a part of the show, and let me uh, bring my vehicle in for a safe landing. All right, we'll see you. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Uh, so thanks uh, to Joe, uh, Joe Ciro, Ciro on uh, Twitter. There's one more interview from Health Camp I'll play at the end of the show. I feel really bad uh, because my good friend uh, T-Rave, uh, uh, who was in our chat room, and um, um, he had to go, and I wanted to give him a shout-out for, uh, for his new project. I will do that now, and then I will come back to uh, the, uh, the last uh, interview uh, for Health Camp a little bit later. So, so my good friend uh, T-Rave, uh, and uh, he is uh, he, he he's a social media like he's the man. Uh, I've known him for a long time. We met on Twitter, and uh, he is basically he's uh, does a lot of uh, video work. Uh, does a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, the thing that he loves to do uh, is that he loves to teach people about social media. He loves to teach people about how to make good videos, how, how to um, make a good audio, how to uh, use uh, things like Facebook and Twitter for personal branding. Uh, so uh, he uh, announced uh, on Twitter and on his blog that he's going to be spending three months in the country of Taiwan beginning in May. And uh, uh, what he's going to be doing there, well, he hasn't really uh, said what he's going to be doing there, but um, he uh, is going to be documenting it uh, during that time and uh, he is going to be uh, – he is asking people for support uh, to, uh, to help do this uh, social media project. And it's very interesting. He, uh, he calls it Content, the New Drug. And I think it's a very catchy title. And uh, uh, I'm going to uh, drop the, uh, the link in the, in the chat room here 
for people to kind of uh, check that out. There's a video over there too. And what he really wants to do is he really wants to, um, you know, it really tell the story of his time out there. What is he going to be doing out there? And uh, he's using a, a fundraising website called uh, Indiegogo. And uh, people may have heard of something called Kickstarter. Um, and uh, he's trying to raise money uh, for his project out there. And uh, I think I think it's a great uh, a great project that he's doing. Um, and uh, I do have a uh, an audio clip here from the video clip, if that makes any sense, of him trying to explain this 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 project here. And uh, I will uh, play this here uh, right now. Hey everyone, I'm T Ray from T-Ray.com, and this is a video following up my first video for my Indiegogo campaign. Uh, I wanted to make this video because at this time a lot of people have been responding and kind of asking me questions about the uh, about the campaign. And so after I was uh, privileged to speak with a multitude of people, um, I kind of got a better a better way of explaining it, or hopefully it makes a little bit more sense. And so this video is to kind of fill in some of those holes. So I want to start off by kind of throwing out this idea, this concept that we are the producers of the Internet. We make what the Internet is by either leaving reviews on things, uh, doing status updates, by writing blogs, by doing all that, by interacting with the Internet, we are producing it. Now, there is bigger businesses that we, we go to and um, – we get information from. But for the most part, everything has to come from somewhere. And that's what this, this project kind of tackles. Now, as I take a trip to Taiwan that I will later discuss in more depth, uh, I want to produce the content like I normally would. Uh, for the last three years, I've been making uh, videos on my website, and I've also done photos and different blogging and social networking, but as I travel from Kansas City, Missouri to uh, Taiwan here in May uh, through August, I want to share my journey. And by sharing my journey, I'll be producing stuff that you can then see what Taiwan is all about, uh, what, um, you know, what a different country may look like, um, just the experiences that an American would be stepping into the culture. But this is where the project this is where the project really comes in. As I'm sharing that stuff, I want to then take on the other side and show you how it's made. I want to show you how I blog, I want to show you how I take photos and how I share them and how I do video because a lot of people out there, they might not know how to do that or they're kind of scared to um or they're just they don't have a lot of information. So the, the goal of this project is to encourage people to share their world with the world, um, producing this content that we flock to day in and day out. We, we use it, and that is where content uh, is the new drug came from, is that we use the Internet every day, for the most part, most of us, and uh, we we're, we're contributing in some way most of the time. And so... A lot of people just want to, may may want to take another step into it, sharing sharing what their stories are. Uh, everyone has a different story, everyone has different experiences, and everyone is in different areas. And we can share with each other and really gain a knowledge for who other people are, what other 
parts of the world, uh, other parts of the city even, uh, are about. And so that's what the project is really about. Following me and, and viewing my stuff, but then seeing how I do it so you can share your world with the world. And so by funding the site, not only do you get some really cool things, um, if you're on the site, you can check out those on the side. On the right side, you'll see different contribution levels. Um, but with that, you help me uh, be able to produce more stuff you, from even using your cell phone um, to even professional and stuff. I want to kind of cover all of that. I, I do believe that with the tools you have at your fingertips most of the time that you can share your world. And with the more access to things, I can cover more bases and show more people how to do that. So that's what this project is really about. And I hope that answers a little bit more questions in more videos to come, uh, more updates to the Indiegogo site. Uh, hopefully it will answer even more questions. Uh, I'll be talking about myself and who I am, as well as why am I going to Taiwan. So thanks for watching this video. Uh, I hope you contribute in some way, and that's even by sharing with others. Um, but thanks for taking just a few minutes out of your time to check this out. Thanks for watching. Come back for the updates, and I will see you guys later. All right, so there we go there, T-Ray. Sorry you weren't here live to uh, listen to it. He, he listened the entire hour, and uh, I just uh, was just <laughs> behind my time schedule to get to it. So uh, so check that out, t-rave.com. And I see some people uh, giving some retweets on Twitter uh, right now, so thank you all for, for doing that. Um, and I have one more uh, interview from, from Health Camp. I'll leave that to the end of the show because it's about a nine-minute clip. <laughs> I just kept talking to it. Uh, but, the, but I did want to give commentary on this New York Times article uh, today from April 7, and it's been all over Twitter today. And uh, it's called, uh, Is a Well-Rested Doctor a Better Doctor? And uh, everybody in the medical social media have been commenting on this article that just came out uh, this morning. I'll read the first paragraph here. Recently, I saw a young friend who is training to be a surgeon Extremely bright and the recipient of numerous medical school awards for her work with patients, she has been anxious uh, as a student about the grueling hours uh, she would face So once she began working as a, a junior surgeon um, on the wards. And uh, the, the article uh, goes on uh, to say that uh, um, a few areas of medicine have changed significantly over the past decade, uh, as the uh, training of young doctors, while work hour guidelines have been around since 1989, it wasn't until 2003 until the organization responsible uh, for accrediting programs uh, limited hours to no more than 80 hours a week. Last September, they issued a second mandate that will go into effect in, to, uh, in July of this year, basically saying that you can work 80 hours and then you're done. Uh, which which uh, uh, breaks out. You can do the math during the week. Uh, and uh, the article goes on to say that the European Union has even tighter regulations. Um, but now there's some new data coming out, a new report in the British medical journal BMJ that reviewed all published data on the effects of restricting resident work hours in the United States and Europe. Both groups may be stuck opining to each other for a good deal Longer, researchers found that uh, the restricting of work hours 
during the week, during the day, uh, seems how have little effect into the quality of care, meaning that they didn't produce any better care if they were well-rested, whether they were not rested. That was the big argument for saying, hey, you can only work X number of nights of a week. If you go over that, then you are in big, big trouble. Because when I was in my medical training, there were no such thing as work hours. You worked until the work was done, um, and then you went home. Now, with these restricted hours, there's a lot of what is called handoffs. So you work until X number of time, and then you hand it off to a different doctor who has to learn the entire case from scratch. And uh, usually patients have to tell their entire story over to the doctor that is coming on duty, uh, which I know is very, very frustrating to some patients uh, because they say, I have to explain my whole thing to this new person who has a chart with some numbers but may not know my entire case uh, at all. <laughs> and what they're finding out now is that as they're doing some data, some more data, that uh, limiting the hours really does not affect quality of care at all. Uh, mainly because, well, what they're saying in the article is that you can't find, you know, uh, there's not, the research model out there isn't quite there yet as far as, well, we're going to have these uh, doctors in training work whatever hours, and then these other doctors in training work 80 hours. Uh, so um, uh, there's been a lot of chatter out there right now as far as as, as, as that goes. Some of the article says here, um, every patient is different from other patients, one of the doctors say. They aren't interchangeable like airplanes where pilots can be confident that one 747 jet has pretty much the same buttons and toggle switches as another 747 jet. <laughs> Each patient is different. There's no simple path from regulations to outcomes. This is a real wake-up call. It's not good enough uh, to do what seems obviously right. <laughs> so, uh, especially if you are in medical education or if you have comments on this, I encourage you to give me a voicemail here, 903-FAM-DOC-1, 903-326-3621. So uh, closing up the show here tonight, I do have one more interview here uh, from uh, from Health Camp Connecticut, and I want to get this this correct here uh, as far as the, uh, the Twitter name here. I don't want to I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> uh, and uh, his name here is uh, Chris Bartlett. And uh, on uh, Twitter, I believe he has followed CB. I believe I don't want to. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, but I believe that is what his uh, Twitter name is. I'll, I'll get that uh, cleared up here. Uh, but uh, I'll get that. I'll probably get that cleared up here during the during the clip here. But we had a great conversation. Um, about uh, what his projects are, um, and uh, he's a, a professional ice skater, was a professional ice skater, and now he's uh, doing a lot of things related to his industry and field. Uh, so this is a fairly long clip, but it's, it's very good. It's very um, entertaining. And uh, let me try to find that here as I am talking. <laughs> Hopefully I 
I uploaded the thing, or else I would be very embarrassed because I promoted the thing. <laughs> uh, here we go. Here is the clip right now. Okay, we're back, and uh, I'm actually here. I'm at Health Camp Connecticut at uh, Yale, and one of the great things uh, about the conference like this is to talk to new people. So uh, here I'm talking with uh, Chris Bartlett. His, your uh, site is cb.com, is that right? Uh, and uh, well, my first question is, you know, you know, why are you here? Why, why, why are you here at uh, Health Camp Connecticut? And what, what gets you excited about social media? Um, well, I own a media production company, and we get really excited to share people's stories, tell their stories, help bring them to life, um, and just sort of bring out what's so compelling. We all have something uh, very unique, and we look at the world through different angles, each through our own set of eyes and experiences. And I think it's really important that we come together and. Just that, that coming together, we each interact with each other and leave with just something a little bit new to think about, a new way of seeing things, and maybe even if it's the same information uh, brought to us in a new way. We That's great. Wow. I'm just, I'm just looking at your card here, and it looks like you have a lot of uh, projects here. Can, can you tell me, about, tell me about one of your projects, your, inter, your Internet social media projects? Um, I started blogging about 13 months ago as a founder of three companies, I am a self-titled uh, serial entrepreneur. I come out of Olympic uh, figure skating, and I started a retail service company around that called Skaters Landing, and we have four locations and a worldwide web presence and a YouTube channel called Skaters Landing TV. So basically, um, my idea out of coming out of Olympic skating was to bring those same uh, experiences and product and knowledge right to the street level. So anyone who wanted to enter the sport of figure skating I, I'm kind of a self-appointed ambassador for figure skating, and that's what Skaters Landing does. Uh, it led to a second company, which is called Rink Management Solutions, which we took another step from the retail and the service on the street level and actually got involved in management, operations, and administration of skating rinks. Wow, that's great. Tell, tell me a little bit more about your passion of skating. Was that something that you were, had when you were always growing up, or was it something you know, a little bit later? Or I, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, it's actually a great question because it, it, my, my story is a little different than almost anyone I've ever met. I actually can recall being back to about two and a half years old, and my very first memories of life were wanting to be a professional skater. I believe the Olympics were on TV. It was winter, and I put on skates, and I told my parents I was not going to take skates off until I was a professional skater. So my mom decided it was uh, kind of bad on the carpets so that she actually went and got the ice to go underneath the skates. <laughs> Well, that's a great story. Um, so uh, uh, tell me a little bit about the, the rest of your projects here, and where, where can people find you out there on the Internet? Uh, you can follow, uh, find me on the Internet. Obviously, my website is followcb.com. On Twitter, I'm at followcb. And on Facebook, I'm Chris Bartlett, and I'm also follow Chris Bartlett, which is, my, I guess, my fan page, even though I don't like saying it. it's a fan page. Um, so I, I am out there, and I'm on YouTube. I have a web talk show called Let's Get Social CB, and you can also find me on Skaters Landing TV. Um, I love people, and I love being social, and I, I love that, that sort of, you know, the operative word in social media is social, and I just think we learn so much from conversations and um, sharing. I'm curious about, about your interview show. Can you uh, share with us maybe you know one or two people that you were really looking forward to talking with or a memorable interview that you had? 
I have had some really exciting interviews. Um, the idea behind Let's Get Social is, uh, my tagline for it is, where uh, online conversations turn into live, where online connections turn into live conversations. And I've had the privilege of speaking uh, with an a anchor woman from Connecticut who I really respect, Ann Nyberg. I have sat down with um, Kirk Varner, who was the vice president of um, WTNH here in New Haven, Andrea Sirtash, who's an upcoming book author uh, working on her second book, and she was really great to spend time with. I, I just love people. I think everybody has some seed of greatness, and when I have a conversation with them, my job and my goal is to kind of scratch around at that person and see if we can unearth and show some of that great nugget to the world. And so, Chris, so something I'm really curious about this is follow CB you have on your uh, business card here. Uh, can, can you share a little bit about what the background of that deal is? Yeah, actually, it's kind of a fun and funny name that has uh, meanings on several different levels. Uh, number one, when I first went to Twitter as a complete, you know, non-Twitterite, um, it was just this thing like, oh, follow me, follow me. And so I thought, I'll follow myself because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And the other kind of side of the story is that CB was always my little family nickname, and um, I had never used it publicly, even with friends. So it was this kind of coming out to social media, like, you know, revealing of a lifelong little nickname, and then the fact that Chris Bartlett's actually going to follow Chris Bartlett. I think the person we should follow the most in life is ourselves, our heart, our passion, our knowledge stream. And so it's kind of funny because it, it's just a little poke at myself, a poke at the silliness sometimes of the fact that social media is like, oh, friend me, follow me. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of it in a nutshell, I think. Well, I, I went through a recent kind of rebranding myself, kind of coming out as not as Dr. Anonymous anymore. Let, let me ask you, do you, do you feel kind of a, a, a weight off your shoulders? Do you feel like that you're a little bit, as being more transparent, a little bit more free and liberated doing your uh, uh, social media projects now? or I do, and I think it's funny because we don't realize that that little, if we just keep going that inch more, that inch becomes a foot, and that foot becomes a yard, and that yard becomes a mile. You know, and I think it becomes a point. It's sort of, if you look at the letter Y, everything stems up that core trunk, and then if you, after you've got the DVA at the, the crossroads there in a Y, the further you go down one of those avenues, you're forever on a different course you know, a flight of a bird of any arc, if you take just a one-degree change in angle, you have a completely different journey. So, yeah, I, I'm doing crazy things like writing books and speaking about blog posts. I actually got hired to speak about one post that I wrote three weeks ago. And uh, so really fun, unexpected things and um, invigorating things, important things, non-important things, just things that impact my life. And um, I think it's changing um, the way I feel that I can imprint my special, unique self and, and share my gifts with the world. I mean, I definitely uh, can relate to that because I, I get asked to speak a lot of places now and uh, uh, you know, more with the physicians and nursing and, and that type of thing. And, and uh, uh, it, it's interesting to see what they want to hear, what I want to say. Um, 
because of something I've written or if I've done a video or or YouTube or whatever. When when you get asked to 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 do to speak, is it is it because of a specific blog post, like you said, or is it because of general topics? What do they ask you to speak about? Um, you know, many times, obviously, you know, I'm an authority in figure skating, so I've done a lot of that. But the interesting thing is, my first two companies, and you know, the last 40 years of my life have been along that tangent court of figure skating. But once I made that break to the media and really decided that I wanted to kind of stick my head outside the world of figure skating and see the much larger pond. Um, I, it's now I'm getting asked to talk about social media, about being a, a serial entrepreneur, which I actually have a post called I Am a Serial Entrepreneur, in which I compare my three companies to having three children. So I basically have a 17-year-old, I have a 7-year-old, and I have a 2-year-old. And I find in many ways the businesses behave like that. You know, my two-year-old uh, global entertainment media is a baby, and it rocks my world the way a new baby rocks your world, and it needs all the TLC and all that. So, yeah, this is the first time uh, for my recent post that I was asked to speak about a specific post. And what's odd for me about it or interesting about it is my posts actually kind of just channel through me. Many times I'll write something that impacts somebody, and it's words or a sentiment or a thought or an observation that passes through me in the form of writing, sometimes as quickly as three to four minutes. So it's fascinating. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's great. I look forward to talking more with you. Uh, so thanks to Chris Bartlett here. We're, we're here at uh, Health Camp Connecticut at Yale, and I'll have more interviews later. So thank you so much. Thanks for uh, chatting with me. I love it. All right, so that's uh, on Twitter. Follow CB um, on Twitter. Uh, so that's all I have for you here uh, this evening. If you want to leave me a voicemail, 903-FAM-TALK-1, 903-326-3621. One week from tonight, April 14th, uh, will be uh, Shrink Wrap. Three psychiatrists explain their work. It's their book, uh, Drs. Diana Miller, Annette Hansen, and Stephen Roy Davis. On April 21, Dr. Chip Teal, author of the book uh, Alone and Invisible, uh, we'll be on the show here this evening. Get all the information at familymedicinerocks.com. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash famedrocks. Thank you uh, for uh, hanging out with me here tonight. I apologize for the long show. I had so much material here, uh, but you guys are great. Thank you for all uh, listening live and also on the archives. I am Mike Savilla, and uh, this is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. I will see you uh, next week right back here on the show. Good night, everybody.